Hi there, and welcome to the R3 podcast, a podcast about revival, renewal, and revitalization in the local church. I'm Paul Tillman, pastor of Parkwood Church, a revitalization work in the Twin Cities of Minnesota. And I'm Jeremy Gertis, pastor of Deborah Heights Wesleyan Church, a revitalization work in Des Moines, Iowa. We're just two pastors in the trenches of church revitalization, here to encourage and ignite the imaginations of other revitalizing leaders. And we are so glad that you're here. Hi there, and welcome to episode number 13 of the R3 podcast. We've been talking the last few times about the life cycle of the church and how that affects the revitalization process and how our strategies and our timelines and all the other things that we need to consider are are going to change as a result of where we are on the church life cycle. Uh, Last time we compared a church in adulthood. We talked with Wayne Schmidt and Kyle Ray about their experience at uh, uh, Kentwood Community Church, and we we compared that to Israel during Solomon's reign, the the early part of Solomon's reign, more specifically, when the nation pivoted from conquest to construction. And if you haven't listened to that podcast, go back and listen to it, because it's Kyle Ray and Wayne Schmidt are awesome, (laughs) and it'll also be a great lead-in what we're talking about today yeah those two guys are absolute fire you do not want to miss that so go back and check out episode 12 if you haven't got it already um thing is though later in solomon's life uh this great king failed um we all have heard the story of how he ended up with a thousand wives well 700 wives and 300 concubines and we've all heard the story of how he went off and was doing all these other weird things and worshiping on mountains and things like that but the the leadership failure for him was he simply failed to revision he he did not make the transition that uh, dr schmidt and pastor ray talked with us about last time yeah it's interesting it's like so solomon achieves all this stuff and and then it's almost like well now he's done and but wouldn't God have something else for him to do if he just looked for it? Yeah, no joke. And especially when you think about the fact that he was like 12 when he took over. And the, so the temple was built and here he is just a teenager and he's thinking he's at the Zenith and he, there's nothing left for him to do. Yikes. I can't even imagine that, but there he is. That's the situation. And as a result, the nation makes this, I, I want to say it's subtle in some ways, but not so subtle in other ways. But it's a transition into what we're going to call middle age. Yep. It's a, there's this complacency where, hey, everything's good. We think about in terms of person, you know, my next goal is retirement. Um, yeah. That, and which is, um, while retirement is certainly a, a, an okay goal, fruitful people still set life goals into and through retirement you know that that's when people say yeah i've retired from this job that i've been doing for however long and now i'm going to go teach or something like that you know those are fruitful people in life as opposed to i'm going to go retire and do nothing absolutely now the thing about middle age is it still looks really good i mean it might not be quite as amazing as the 
person who is firing on all cylinders, but it's still really, really close. And so you're still going to see people that are going to be joining you because of who you are. They want to ride your coattails, what you do. They want to figure out how they can benefit. Uh, I, but they're not joining you because of where you're going, because that's the thing that's missing. Yeah. You, you have the relationships, you have the action, you still have the structure to keep going strong as ever, but the vision, the sense of direction, where you're going, what you're becoming, why you're doing all of this, it's no longer at the forefront. Yeah, it's no longer, and, and here's the thing, people still may know the vision uh, and state the vision, but we're past the vision. Absolutely. So it's become small, not because it wasn't good, or not be, but because it's already completed. Yeah. If, if you want to compare this to a biblical point, it is later in Solomon's life, say first Kings chapter 11, Solomon is old. His wives turned his heart away to follow other gods. He's not wholeheartedly devoted to the Lord as God as his father, David had been. And things are still going well in the kingdom. You know, there's nobody coming and attacking them. They're not constantly losing territory they're not impoverished or anything they're they're still very very rich but the focus has shifted off of god and off of mission and now they're just focused on maintaining what they have and continuing to go the status quo until they can retire yeah and when we're focusing on maintaining the status quo that's at a point where um, revitalization is going to get significantly harder. Yes, very much so. Now, Paul, you have some experience in this situation. You were at a church that missed that prime moment of revisioning and so entered into this middle age spot. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so I'm going to start at the beginning for me. I did not join this church as a pastor or anything. I, I was going to college, and I met the pastor of a church plant. Um, we worked together at a secular job, and after about a year of getting to know him, I felt the Lord calling me to help him at his church plant. Um, and so, and the church had a very compelling vision, and, and I can still say it. We are building a multi-ethnic church that will train leaders and and i said that's that's great i want to be a part of that um so uh, i wasn't even part of the same denomination as this church but he said hey we don't care i want you here and if this if you're on board with this vision we want you here i'm gonna mention this because this is going to be important later along with that specific vision there were specific details that the pastor laid out that that went along with that so in his in the picture in his mind he would also say and one day we're going to have a building and it's going to have a school in it and that's where we're going to train our, our leaders so uh the the physical representation of this vision was a church facility that was a school um, for training for training pastors so but the general vision of a multi-ethnic church that was training leaders was there and I want to be a part of that. Um, the church was set up well to do that. It was planted by uh, second generation and 1.5 generation Korean Americans. And they wanted a multi-ethnic church. They had come from a, 
uh, all Korean church that their parents had started. And um, they, they said, we want a church that, you know, they were basically American, even though they practiced, you know, Korean heritage stuff in their own homes. But they said, we want a church that we can invite our friends to. So we're not going to speak Korean in church. We're going to have a pastor that's white. Um, and, and so they were looking to become diverse, you know, eth ethnically diverse. And, and so that's what we were working on. And um, so I was, I was a part of that mix. I actually became part of that leadership track that, that the pastor had stated as part of the vision that we're going to train pastor leaders here. And so I, I started on the ordination track uh, in, in the Wesleyan church at this church. And so we were going along good. We never had explosive growth, which is typical for a multi-ethnic church. We added every year a uh, you know, family or two. And of course, you'd lose maybe a family every year, but every year our growth went up. Um, and so a very healthy church. There was probably the one time that we had hit, shots in the arm were when uh, there was a church that was similar in beliefs that closed down a church plant. And we got a lot of people from that church came over. Um, that helped the diversity of the church. And then we also had somebody who was running a college ministry, like uh, a crew, and they decided to, to center out of our, our church. So those are the two kind of big bumps we had, but generally it was just steady growth. Um, we got to a point um, where there was starting to be less uh, cohesion, um, different leaders, uh, in charge of different ministries, uh, wanting to take the church in different directions, um, you know, and it's good to start new ministries, you know, but we, now we have a guy who's in charge of men's ministry. And so he's like, this needs to be more important. We got to invest more in men. And we always had a strong women's ministry. And of course, we now we've got this crew group. And so now college ministry is important. And all these things are vying for dominance for a less of a better term and as opposed to moving towards one vision every ministry is starting to have their own vision um but here's the thing this the church is still growing that slow steady growth because what had been built up to this point was you know something good people wanted to be a part of a multi-ethnic church that trained leaders and so people were still coming to the church. It's not like we were seeing a decline, but, but it was starting to, it was starting to plateau and there were starting to be struggles in leadership. Um, by this time I was part-time staff co-vocational and we had, I had a great relationship with the senior pastor. Um, we could talk just, we could talk straight with each other. Um, and after church one uh, people were, we were meeting in a school uh, in a, in a high school. And after service, people were cleaning up, you know, stowing their chairs and sound system, all that kinds of stuff. You know, the stuff that happens when you have to set up and tear down every week. And the pastor shared with me, I don't, you know, he said something along the lines of, I don't know what's going on. You know, we're not moving forward like we should. And, and, and he was just trying to work it out as to what the problem was. Um, and I, I asked him, I said, what is the vision of this church? And he said, we want to build a multi-ethnic church and train leaders. And I said, turn around and look 
at all those people that are doing ministry right now and cleaning up. What do you see? And it was a multi-ethnic church. And we had trained several pastors. Some were still there and some were gone. Uh, and I said, we're there. Uh, in fact, we've been here, I think, for several years. But we hadn't called it out. Um, because it didn't look exactly like what there was no building with a with a minister training school we didn't yeah. have our own facility we were still meeting in a high school so and there, and there was no formal school no it, it was no there was no formal school it was it was people were getting into the wesleyan you know flame courses or whatever like that but but they were all, you know we had trained several pastors in this church so we had achieved the vision it just didn't look like with some of the specifics that the lead pastor had expected um but in terms of people it was it was happening and it was done um and and so that was kind of an eye-opening thing for for him and me that we took a minute to assess where we were and that's why we had stalled because what we were stating as our church vision was and it's not that we could ever improve on that, but we had already been doing it and achieving it for several years already. And so people were looking for the next thing. And that's why there was this contention amongst different ministries, because um, the vision wasn't somewhere, wasn't stating where we were going. It was stating what we already are. That's so important. Um, what I what I'm hearing you saying is that one of the first signs that you're you have overshot your vision is that the different ministries begin contending with their own vision statements, their own ideas of what needs to happen, rather than everybody's pursuing the singular vision. Yeah, that, um, at least that I can't say that's in all cases, but that's what we saw in this particular church. I. Yeah, I, I I think that's a very common case, though. So that that's fantastic. And um, one of the things that I, I hope that we all take from this is that it is essential for us to regularly assess and say, are we there? Even if it doesn't look exactly like what we envisioned way back when. Yeah. And that that's so important. We that was looking back, that was something that that we as a pastoral team failed in. We didn't we didn't regularly assess the vision and and we were we were locked into what we were told it was going to look like. Uh, yeah. So we just assumed we weren't there. Sure, sure. Now all of a sudden when you think about that, you begin to realize that this isn't necessarily a church that's old you talked about this is a recent church plant well i mean it, yeah it was a church plant but by this time we were oh gosh this is probably 15 years old by now by yeah. the time we're by the time we're having this conversation you know yeah so this could be a church that's been open for i would say even five years we have a church across town that uh was planted and five years later the pastor knew that he needed to make a transition to more of an established uh, mode of ministry, but he could not do it. And so he, he froze and eventually he ended up leaving and, and a new pastor came into town and, and uh, I, 
took over and and the the problem was the the first guy had stayed a couple of years well maybe a year 18 months too long and in the process they had lost all of the momentum and their inertia had started the downhill slide yeah that like i said that that inertia thing is tough here depending on where the church is because we lost that prime moment where where people were still excited about moving into the future uh one, as we mentioned, ministry leaders were already starting to set their own paths to the future. Uh, so now, now there's forming disunity. And two, there are plenty of people there who came not to go forward, but because of the status quo. I like what you are now. So that, that's why I came. Mm-hmm. Um, so why are you going to try and change it? Um, so um, there's a lot of inertia to get over, even though this is still early on and a lot easier than later down the cycle because we're not going down in terms of necessarily in terms of numbers or in terms of, you know, people numbers or finances, but uh, there, there's a large group that wants the status quo and there are leaders that are vying for their vision to take preeminence. Sure. So again, you could be a church plant that's been around for three, four, five years you could be a established church that's been around for 70, 80, 100 years. And if you don't regularly reassess what's going on and, and take that moment to figure out, have we finished the vision? Do we need to adjust the vision? You're in trouble. I, the, the middle age is brought upon us when we accomplish the objectives without setting new ones. When we don't accomplish the objectives, but we don't redirect either or even when we completely failure to uh, devise communicate or implement a new vision that, that's really what it is yeah and i think that idea of i was fortunate to be at a church that had achieved its vision that's that's good and, yes. and i want to mention that church is still doing well you know they they, they did a, a reset and they're still doing good um but it's also good to reassess you know hey we fell short of this vision or something changed yes. <laughs> in in our in our community in our society in our in our makeup of our people you know and say you know what that was a good vision but it's out of date now we didn't get there but we still need to switch that's okay yes, yes. <laughs> it, we saw that last week talking with dr schmidt and pastor kyle uh, about Kentwood community because they talked about how uh, they had set a a vision for 2020 and they were moving in that direction but then God unexpectedly called Dr. Smith to move on and so they had to revisit the vision and say is this still where we're going and they decided no we need to make changes yeah that's absolutely essential that's really what we're talking about here and if you miss that opportunity if you miss that moment your church is going to end up in middle age. The question yeah. now is how do we get back? Now you yeah, mentioned that. that if you miss that adulthood, you miss that opportunity to renew the vision um, and the momentum begins to dwindle, the inertia might even begin to change. So that's the bad news, but there is good news here, right? The good news is you're not too far past prime. Um, there are so many good things uh, you're, a church at this point is probably healthy financially. Uh, they are probably they probably have healthy in terms of 
of number of people that are both uh, congregation in the seats and leadership. Um, the, all the tools are there to, to uh, relationships are already there. So all the tools are there to, to work a new vision. Uh, the challenge is getting people on board, you know, getting people to adopt it. it it's not, yes. it's not, whereas at the beginning, it's kind of like, oh, we got this vision, but we have no resources. At this point, you have all the resources. That's wonderful. And that puts you worlds ahead. Um, it's, it's just getting, getting that new vision out there and getting that, that fire going for it. Absolutely. And so how do we, how do we do that? How do we refresh that vision? Um, I, I think the first step is remembering that the mission of the church, no matter what church you're talking about, no matter where you might be in the world, is always going to be making more and better disciples, right? That's what we exist to do. The question is, what does that look like in your specific context? Yeah, so that, that's when you take this time to analyze, not just, okay, did we achieve our vision or not? That, that's just one level. Then we take an analysis of, of everything that we're doing. You know, what are we doing that, that's still working? Are, are there things, structures in place that are just, we've already always done it this way, and so that's why it's still going. Those, those structures might need to come down. Yes. Um, and especially if something is ineffective. Yes. So taking a look at all your systems and, and structures is, is important. All your ministries and programs, everything. Look at everything. Figure out what do we need to take out because it's not working anymore. And what do we need to add in order to be effective? Yeah. And you don't just add stuff. It, it, it goes back to the new vision. Um, there, there, there should be a particular way that, again, somebody will be able to articulate that we are going to achieve, you know, in this context, making new and better disciples. Um, so you don't just add just to add, well, we're not doing this, so let's do it. It still needs to be going towards a purpose. Absolutely. So, so how do you find that purpose? Tom Rayner, in his book, Breakout Churches, describes the VIP intersection and and basically he describes this as the intersection of the needs that are present in the community and it's important to notice that the community is not the same thing as in the church yeah. you look outside your walls you look beyond your doors and ask what are the needs that are present in the community as a whole what are the resources that we bring as a congregation, the gifts, the talents, the assets? And that could be your building. It could be cash. It could be any number of assets or resources that you have at your disposal. And of course, what is the passion of the people in the congregation and the leadership as well? What are the things that we're, that get us excited, that make our hearts pound inside of our chest? I think that's great. And you can, I just kind of thought of this as you were speaking. So feel free to push back. But at this point of overshooting vision, this to me seems like the biggest risk of becoming an internally focused church. For sure. You've already started the process. And if you continue, if you don't adjust your vision again, your, your site's going to continue to turn inward. Absolutely true. Because yeah, it's about what we are yes not yes. about what where we are going and what we're doing you know so this idea because i could see somebody assessing 
well, what are the needs? And, and what gets listed are the needs of our church. Yes, absolutely. That is so true. We talk about we need to have this nursery or this youth group or this to serve the people that are already here. That's a problem. You got to look outside the doors. Yeah. It should be noted, though, um, quite often when you do this revisioning revitalization process, you will identify a number of opportunities that you could go for. There are a number of needs present in the community. There are a number of resources that you can utilize. There are a number of passions represented in the congregation. You know, we, we can identify more than one thing here that we might want to do. I think it's probably good advice to walk through one door at a time. What do you think, Paul? Yeah, um, I, I, I think that's important to have focus. Um, sometimes, sometimes the vision might not come super clear right away. Um, so I, I think it's fine to explore a few different opportunities, especially because there's going to be probably multiple needs in your community. So um, I think it's okay to do a little bit of probing and seeing what's going on and, and where your fit might be. But at some point you need to pick one and say, we're going to focus on this. Um, Absolutely. And then, and then, yeah, if it doesn't work out, then you, you switch, but, um, but that is actually more in terms of uh, structure and actions more, it's more so than, than vision. Um, so spending that time with the Lord and hearing from the spirit, both as a individual pastor and a leadership team, that's going to be so important to get that vision out in front uh, because then that'll help you pick the actions you're going to do absolutely everything we do has to start and end with prayer right yes so we start with prayer we end with prayer and we do and, prayer all through the middle <laughs> yeah and and we might find ourselves we might find ourselves in a spot where it looks like there's multiple doorways here that we can take so we go up to each one maybe and we might try it and see if it opens it's like in Revelation chapter three, Paul, uh, Jesus is writing through the apostle John to uh, the church at Philadelphia. And he says, I've opened one door for you. Doesn't say there's only one door. He says, I've opened one door. So you might have to try the other knobs, but when and you find the one that opens, <laughs> that's the one you go through. Focus on that one. Right. And then we've got to get that vision in front of people. Um, because people are going to have in their mind the old vision. And so uh, vision always needs to be repeated. And that's something I've had to learn as a pastor because I know it, but that doesn't mean everybody else always knows it or remembers it. And so the more I sound like a broken record, um, I, if, if I feel like I'm sounding like a broken record and nobody even knows what a record is anymore, <laughs> but uh, um, <laughs> if I feel I'm saying it too much, I'm saying it just enough. Yeah. Yeah, you should, by the time you start to get sick of hearing the vision yourself, you're only just beginning. Yes. Absolutely. And because people want to know why they're doing stuff. That's, that's Simon's neck. You know, we always start with the why. Absolutely. And, yes. And so that, that's what it's about. And we do have the general why, you know, the great commission, Yes. but, but the vision gives us a specific picture of it. So, yes. For sure. For sure. So 
we've talked about how this is tough. This is this is the point of also where it's going to take more time. Yes. Um, in in the ones in the one situation that I was in and the other places I've seen, this is not a quick thing. This is at least a year thing uh, to make shifts like this because the congregation is going has been going strong in a particular direction and and this is usually a pretty major shift when the, when the vision's been overshot yeah. um, and uh and in the cases i've seen and i'm not saying this is universal it's been uh it takes new leadership to shift at this point um and now i'll, I'll say it in this in this particular way the the church that jeremy mentioned and the church i was a part of the the senior pastor left and somebody new was brought in and I, i'll say sometimes it will take that drastic of a step to bring in a new vision because sometimes a particular leader is tied to a particular vision and it's not that the leader can't move on but that's that that's what this pastor is about it may be in the sure. minds of people or maybe that's just what they're about um sure and but even if the pastor, lead pastor is not going to ch change, which I'm not saying that has to do, that lead pastor will probably have to bring in new leadership alongside yeah. Yeah. to help push. At the very least, the leader is going to have to learn something new, change something about the way that they're leading so that they are new leadership, even if it's not a new face in that oh. spot. It is absolutely essential. Something has got to change at that level. And I, I think maybe that's probably the biggest part of this, that the leader has to decide, okay, am I willing to make the shift to go into the next phase? Perfect case in point is Rick Warren. Very successful church. And at some point, he got to a point where he realized he needed to completely shift his leadership style if the church was going to continue to grow. And he had to decide, could he do that? Now, he, he figured out that he could. And I give him credit for that. Here's the thing. We probably all as leaders could. It comes a matter of, are we willing and are we yes. willing to do the work? That's probably the more important question. Yeah. And for him, he was willing. Then it was a matter of, yeah, for yeah, sure. Doing the work. And, and, and let's be honest. You know, if we're not willing to do the work, then get out of the way. Absolutely. Um, that, that's I, a hard call, but I'm, I'm going to say it. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think you're absolutely correct. If there ever comes a day when I don't see what needs to happen and am not willing to make the changes in myself to get that done, that's the day that I need to be ready to resign. Yep. Absolutely true. And, and yeah, part of the evaluation of the church is a pastor evaluation of self. And, yes. and that goes along with God too. One of the things I when we were getting ready to go to another stage of revitalization, um, I spent some time with God and put out that test fleece. And I said, am I the blocker? Am I the one that needs to get out of the way? Because um, I, I, I want this congregation, this part of God's church to succeed. You know, yes. And if I'm the anchor, then I need to cut myself loose. So, yeah, for sure. For sure. It's not just time though that's a little more involved once you get to this point we also have to talk about increased cost yes we're not talking about 
hundreds of thousands of dollars, like a church that's had a facility that's been deferred maintenance and all that stuff for years and years, but there is still a greater cost than there would have been if you had hit the prime. So what kind of costs are we talking about to turn the church at this point? Um, yeah, I think one is going to be a time cost in terms of, you know, research and development, but we're, it's not that it's not done when somebody gets a new vision earlier, but now we're taking this time to figure out what we're doing next while for lack of a better term, the, the, the church is kind of cruising. So yeah. this is important to get this time together. What what are we doing next? You got to figure that out and how yeah. we're going to do it. Um, and, and the trick with that is it does take time. And so while you're taking time, the inertia is continuing to move yeah. more and more downward. So you you got to move quickly. Yeah, you got to move quickly. And then you can even start priming, though, people to let them know, hey, change is coming, you know. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and we don't know what it looks like yet, but it's going to be good. You know, so yeah. it, this is not, I mean, that, honestly say that because you want it, you want it to be a positive thing. Um, and then, and then you have to look at once the new vision is established, uh, figuring out, you know, these changes are going to cost. It might mean, uh, okay, we need to change something about our facility. Um, we've been using it this way. Now we have to use it another way. Um, and sure. so we need to, we need to update it. It's not like it's, uh, facilities falling apart, but we need to be able to use it in a new way. Um, and, and that could attack people's sacred cow where it's like, no, the sanctuary has always been just for worship. Well, yeah, this now is the way it's supposed to be. this way it's supposed to be. And that's why we have pews. Well, we're getting rid of the pews and putting in chairs because chairs can be removed. And now kids can run around in there because that's our biggest space, you know? So, for sure. so, uh, it, uh, Re reimagining how, how how things are going to be used and that may cost some money and and you're going to need new new leadership new new materials you know so um, training the, all sorts of things training yeah training there's there's all kinds of steps to go along with so it's it's going to cost but it's not it's a lot of it is cost and and uh, in terms of time and people management not in terms of we need a million dollars because this facility uh, hasn't been maintained in 50 years. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> you know? As you go further down the life cycle, it does become more and more of a hole that you have to dig yourself out of. And I, I think it's important to recognize that, yeah, there might be some costs and it's, there might be a little sticker shock there. But at the same time, if you wait at this point, it only gets worse. Yes. The longer you wait, the more it's going to cost. So. For sure. Well, this has been some outstanding stuff, Paul. Thank you so much for sharing with us a little bit about your experience uh, at your previous church. And uh, I, any final thoughts for our listeners? Part of the point of this podcast is, you know, it's we can learn from each other's successes and we can also learn from each other's failures. And uh, so if you see this is where you are, then it's time to take action. So. Absolutely true. So thanks for tuning in. Uh, next time, we're going to continue our discussion about how the life cycle of the church affects our revitalization plans by looking at the church in retirement. And it is going to be fantastic. Uh, we have a very special guest online for that one. You're going to love him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think that was me again. huh? <laughs> 
it is sorry huge. folks <laughs> <laughs> no, it's gonna be awesome it, it's some good stuff um thanks for joining us make sure to subscribe to the podcast i uh, make sure to send us some feedback and absolutely tell your friends about us we love to hear from you and go and make more and better disciples 